Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Paddock Note Show from the Grand Prix of Qatar, the La Salle Media Center. I'm happy to say, Neil, we're not freezing our tits off here uh, this <laughs> evening. Um, the air conditioning problems have been fixed. So big thank you for Dorna for solving that because it was reaching comical or comedy proportions, I should say, because people were wrapping up in hats, scarves, and whatever they could find. So uh, far more comfortable now. We've had an exciting day, plenty to talk about. Uh, it's been a long old season, as we've been saying on the Paddock Pass podcast, but it seems like the riders have become a little fraught with tension and some exhaustion and probably just general frustration in trying to work out this LaSalle international circuit, certainly when it comes to grip issues, tyre management, tyre choice even. We yeah. saw some bizarre selections for the 11-lap sprint today. It's not uh, just MotoGP podcasters that are getting touchy at this late stage of the season. Yes, there's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we were struggling a little bit for energy last night i think i mean thursday was a, a pretty normal schedule whereas yesterday was full-on right okay it's getting near midnight and we're still in the circuit my but, my mother contacted me today to say you and adam sounded very tired last night oh goodness right well susan we're we'll going to try, try and sound more perky just, try and inject just a bit you. energy into this yeah, right absolutely sure it is um, it is nearly half past 11 though local time so yeah. in our defense if um we're talking about energy then you know we should try and sort of feed off some of the euphoria surrounding Jorge Martin at the moment because even at times today I ventured out for FP2 and last corner he was not getting that right all the time. You can see some you know bobs of the head in frustration, uh, but wow, I mean you know that was one of the I think one of the best. I know it was an only eleven lap sprint, but it was one of the best race performances by him this season. Yeah, it was, and it was in such a critical moment as well. Um, you think of what position he was in yesterday. It looked like the the arse was falling out of it really for him. Um, could not get comfortable in the uh, the practice session yesterday evening, um, and just looked baffled when we saw him in in the garage. And also this morning um, in the the kind of FP two session, he just looked unhappy. Um, but he, he qualified quite well, and his his race was was really remarkable because he was aggressive off the start. He then made a mistake, allowed Peko and Mark Marquez through, and you thought that's going to be quite tricky for him, but he passed them, picked them off super quick, and then was up with the leaders, um, got to the front, pulled out a bit of a gap, and then was able to resist uh, Fabio de Gian Antonio in the, the late laps. So it was a, a brilliant performance in such a critical moment of the year, like he really had to get today right. I, I was of the opinion that this was going to be maybe a, a weekend when Peko seals it, but... We now have the good fortune of having this championship going right the way to the wire. Well, not the wire, but to the last round at least, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, it's swung completely in the other direction uh, based on the general vibe, like you said, so far during the weekend. Uh, very telling the move on Bagnaya into turn 10, I think yeah, it was. two moves, yeah. First yeah. corner, uh, which was a pretty tough one. And then, yeah, it was either six or ten. They both look so similar. Yeah, um, that left-hand hairpin. Right. Uh, and Bagnaya in the media debrief to us <laughs> afterwards was saying, you know, that he was happy it was Martin and he's kind of opening that account or line. I can't remember what his turn yeah. of phrase was, but it was almost he, like, okay, he's starting. Yeah, he said, at least I know now what, uh, what I can do in the race tomorrow and that's my favourite kind of thing to do. Yeah. Indicating I, that he's going to get his comeuppance. I mean, we've seen Dorna make a fantastic effort to this whole Team Peko, Team Martin campaign. And I even thought on the TV coverage, the use of the graphics was fantastic on, on the bridge, even showing the points difference in the championships. It's, it's quite inventive stuff. It's a real step up this year, I think, in terms of presentation and, and molding a bit of an image. And that moment there when he passed Bagnaya and then sort of escaped uh, just, you know, just seemed to 
build up more into this kind of show that's going on around us. Um, seven points now. It, like you say, it's now mathematically a cert, isn't it, that we're going to Valencia for the decider again. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's the best case scenario if you're a neutral. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you always want to see it decided at the final round. Um, and yeah, tomorrow is going to just be so interesting to see what kind of complexion the final round will take on. Um, because on today's basis, you would have to imagine Jorge is pretty confident that he can maybe go to Valencia even as the, the championship leader. Um, you know, such was his strength today. And he, what is so impressive is that he put that performance in. He lost pretty much all of yesterday afternoon's, sorry, yesterday evening session. He did a couple of time attacks at the end, but the first like two thirds of it were just like spent either on track with no grip whatsoever or in the garage kind of scratching his head. Um, you know, he said that this was, I think, the first occasion this year where he had no idea of race pace, no idea of tires, no idea of tire performance or degradation over the race. So, um, uh, yeah, hats off to him because it was a, a gutsy, gutsy ride. For Martin's brilliance, we have to acknowledge the error, well, not the error, but the situation with Bagnaio. He, he was really struggling with rear grip. He just said the bike wasn't picking up anywhere near the, the motorcycles around him. Uh, that was the factor in him finishing fifth. And it by no means the worst case scenario in the sprint, but it was, you could see that he was peeved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was kind of skating along the line of blaming Michelin for a kind of a duff rear tire. Obviously, Martin was saying yesterday that I think both the front and the rear that he was trying um, when he was really struggling in, in practice was because of, you know, faulty tires or dodgy tires. By now, I was kind of indicating that something similar was happening with his rear. Um, so, you know, Peko has made a habit of not excelling in sprints in the last couple of months and then doing something quite remarkable on, on the Sunday. So I wouldn't be ruling them out at this stage. You know, we, we've seen so many times that he saves his best for Sunday. And um, as we just mentioned, he'll be very keen to seek some kind of retribution for uh, those two tough moves that Martin put on him. I think that's the eighth sprint ring now for Martin. So he has been the most prolific this season when it comes to notching up the points on the uh, Saturday. Uh, we talked about, you mentioned the word blame a minute ago. Uh, there was a lot of arm waving going on today. I think we had Inea Bastinini, Furious of Ukulikawano, picked up a penalty. Jack Miller was frustrated. Uh, a few of the riders talking about the one-line nature of LaSalle simply because of the state of the track and the cleanliness. Um, a little bit to do with the flow as well. I mean, other riders were you know, arguing against that viewpoint. I mean, Ralph Fernandez said it's actually a great track for racing and there's a mix of corners and overtaking opportunities. But uh, most... I don't want to say famously, but the biggest, uh, almost dramatically, I should say, was, uh, of course, the tangle between Alessia Spargaro and um, and Franco Morbidelli. I, I, sometimes, Neil, when Franco gives his media debriefs, uh, you know, you could stare at the wall, really, and you got more information from or more insight into a rider's mindset. But other times, he's just... He's brilliantly honest and forthright, isn't he? And today was calm. one of those days. Yeah, exactly. It was like this epic kind of calm takedown of, uh, of what Aleish did. Um, you know, Aleish, for what it's worth, we should point out, um, has suffered a small fracture of the fibula head of his left leg. So he was unable to attend his media duties today. Obviously, he crashed in that um, sprint, yeah. sprint collision with Nea Bastianini, Oliveira, and I think some other, one other rider was involved. Um, but yeah, he completely lost his head at the start of practice FP2 this morning. And um, yeah, I think Morbidelli was saying that... Um, what he said, he felt disrespected? Yeah, exactly. He said that Aleish basically was the one that nearly crashed into him, breaking down into turn six, got it all wrong, and then started going crazy and I think Morbidelli said he, he gestured for him to calm down a bit 
and that was like the red rag to the proverbial bull in the lace then obviously like hit him on the head or smacked him on the head so he's copped a 10,000 euro fine for that and a six place grid penalty for tomorrow if he does indeed uh, make the race but yeah Mort Bradelli was um, you could tell he had really thought hard about his answer and he delivered a very cool calculated takedown of Aspargro where he was just um, we didn't brush it off did he by all means I mean it seemed like the, the rock is on yeah. Uh, also, two things from that, just what you were saying. Uh, he was very deliberate with his comments and saying that it was disrespectful. Uh, he hadn't had a chance to reply, but if he did, it would likely to be with part of his anatomy, not his tongue. And also, you know, he was quite pissed off with a penalty because sixth place on the grid puts him right ne- alongside him on the grid. Yeah, he was saying the last place I want to have him is with, you know, next to me. He said, I want him 100 meters away from me at all times. So, yeah, there was a, a kind of a simmering uh, rage there with uh, Morbidelli. He was not impressed. And I think he said something along the lines of, if he's acting like that with me, I, I kind of fear to see what he's like with his kids, which yeah. is... Uh, yeah, he was lashing out. I mean, there was like, he referred to, you know, previous incidents or, or moments of dramatic um, expression that Alesh has made. And uh, he said that it's done him no face. He said that uh, some comment... I think he was pointing out that he's had he's more he's more famous for his outbursts than he is for his achievements, which I thought, wow, okay, this is some some fighting talk. So, uh, yeah, everybody's getting a bit steamy, it seems, um, you know, late on into the season. But the sprint was watchable. Um, we can't always say that this year it was uh, it was you know quite captivating, and also it had important repercussions. And um, we spoke uh, with Chris Hillard, uh, one of the very good eggs in the paddock. Um, represents the media manager for Alpine Stars, actually. And as we know, Jorge Martin, head-to-toe Alpine Stars. Pekka Bagnaya, also a big Alpine Stars athlete. Uh, so we asked him a little bit about you know, his experiences of being here at La Salle and his perspective on what the company is doing with these two championship contenders, uh, especially for this note show. And here is um, our chat with Chris. First of all, tell me, are you as much a fan of motorcycle racing as you are Arsenal Football Club? <laughs> Uh, I'd say I'd say more so here, but maybe desensitised a little bit here, having you know spending more time here than anywhere else at the moment. Listen, we're we're in La Salle. It's like, I think the twenty first GP we've had in Qatar. Uh, can you remember sort of your first one and coming here for the first time? I mean, I know you have a great relationship and friendship with Casey Stoner. I mean, he memorably launched his Premier Class Grand Prix at this circuit, a uh, pole position, I think. Back in 2006, I want to say, riding for Lucho on the Honda, uh, you know, led to some good times. I just wondered what your kind of memories were of this this particular venue. Uh, yeah, I mean, they started, I think the first time I came here was maybe 05 or so. Um, but certainly that race in 06, it was the second race of the year. I think it started in Jerez that year. Okay. Um, so then it was the second round and Casey showed up, like literally showed up at the track, uh, five minutes before the start of FP1 because he had had a nightmare with flights and delays and he was sick as a dog when he, when he arrived as well, but then promptly got into a leather suit, went out on track. And I think he was, he might've been fastest in that session, but he was certainly, um, yeah, he was certainly, uh, up there in the timesheets. I think he ended up qualifying on pole that weekend. And then I think he eventually finished fifth in that race, which was like his second, his second GP. But the way he arrived, I'll, I'll never forget because like it was, yeah, ushered him from the car park into the cabin, into his leather suit and on the bike. And that was, uh, yeah, what a way, what a way to do it. And that was almost his arrival as well, like in the MotoGP class, straight in, you know, straight away had the speed and a time when a satellite Honda was the bike to have. 
Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he showed his speed real early on and he was always one that would show you his speed on, on a Friday morning, you know. Um, I remember, I think it was Davizioso that, 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 that sort of said when, when Casey had been retired a couple of years that now it's hard for him to know what the limit is because Casey used to sort of give him the target time on a, on a Friday morning, you know. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was always his style to go out there and just kind of, he was always a quality over quantity kind of guy when it came to doing laps on track you know cheesy question i mean you're the visible face for many alpine star in this paddock and uh you know uh, you have a great i never heard anyone say a single bad word about you so it's uh you know i just wonder when you come to a place like this under the lights it's distinctive uh, it's quite memorable it's showy it's spectacular is this also pretty good show off for the company and you know everything you've got going on a stars i mean i'm not just talking about the product but just the general sheen around MotoGP. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're at every round and we've got a really strong presence at every round as well. You know, like we have uh, just here in Qatar and at all the flyaway races, you know, we've had, you know, five technical guys come to to every round from like a airbag technician, helmet technician, which is new this year. Um, and then we have someone looking after our Moto2, Moto3 riders and also the MotoGP riders. So, you know, we have a big presence at every round. Um, and uh, on top of that, like we always sort of, I don't know how, how, how to sort of explain it, but there's certain rounds where people talk about them afterwards, Qatar being one of them. I think it's a lot to do with what time the race is on in Europe. You know, it's on a, a time where a lot of people are at home on a, on a Sunday night and, um, yeah, it's rounds like that where, you know, we hear from a lot of people external to it. But, you know, we're at every round, um, obviously making sure everything's uh, everything's airtight and OK. I mean, yourself and Albine Stars have an even greater vested interest in the, the climax of this season because of Pekka Bagnai and Jorge Martin, two Albine Stars athletes. Um, just a quick reminder of how, what sort of percentage or how many riders you do have on the grid and, uh, wow, what a position to be in when the two riders really going for the big prize. And, and now you see the world champions in MotoGP having these big celebrations. There's quite a big, you know, uh, sensation of glitz around, you know, the eventual title winner. Um, what a privilege. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We can't get desensitized to that, basically. Like, that's what we come racing for. That's why Alpine Stars races. It's, you know, to develop products. And then also, you know, if we, we're not really, we don't pitch ourselves as a marketing company, you know, we're a product company. So if we have a marketing strategy, it's to make sure our products are on the podium for, for all to see. So when we get to this stage of the season and uh, like you say, it is a privileged position where we're we're fighting championships. Uh, last weekend out, we uh, uh, Pedro Acosta won the Moto Two Championship. He's an Alpine Stars athlete. You know, we have uh, eleven riders using our leather leather suit in Moto GP. Uh, two in Moto Two this year. Uh, three, if you include Matia Casade, who's been substituting. Um, and then also we have eight riders in Moto Three. And uh, right now we're, we're we're in that position where, you know, we've our athlete uh, Pedro has wrapped up Moto Two. Uh, we have Jorge Martin and and Peko Banyaya in Moto GP, and then also we have Jaume Mazia and David Alonso, who you know still has a mathematical chance in Moto Three as well. So, if you can imagine, things are things can be quite intense when we get to this time of year. You know, it's um, uh, just the key thing is just to make sure that we're attentive and we're there to make sure everything goes smooth and people talk about the demands of like traveling and, and this particular schedule on the riders and the teams but from also from alpine stars perspective you have to 
carry around a lot of stuff. I mean, you told me a great story yesterday about having to load X amount of bags onto the flight because David Alonso, as we know, in Malaysia had a few offs, uh, needed a few <laughs> repairs or exchanges of suits. Yeah, no, even just coming here to Qatar, like I, I think I'm always pretty much the short straw guy because I'm the last guy to arrive um, at the track. So there's always a few emails like, hey, Chris, can you, uh, would you mind taking a, some Carrying bags the for 60 us? 60 kilograms. Yes. No, <laughs> I think it was, I think I was at 90 coming here, basically. But that's, you know, with a program as, uh, as comprehensive as ours, um, yeah, we just need to make sure everybody's well covered. And uh, for David Alonso, especially for this weekend, we just needed to make sure he had everything uh, looking looking good and, and fresh. You know, when I, when I arrived on Friday morning, he was very relieved that all the bags arrived and we had to split the suits over the multiple bags just in case one went missing, you know. So, um, but that's a, a familiar thing. I think the point of difference this year being that there's so many rounds um, in a row consecutive in, you know, Far East and, and, and Asia that um, logistically it's been quite sort of a lot to, to make sure that we've been covered at every round, you know, and, um, you know, crashing comes w- with racing, but we've seen, you know, a few rounds where there's been an abnormal amount of crashing and, and you know, we just need to make sure that all, all, of, our, all of our athletes uh, have the material they need to get through race weekends, really. I don't mean to put you on the spot with details, but is there anything you can tell us about Let's talk about the, the MotoGP title candidates, Pekka Bagnaya and also Jorge Martin. The, the leathers they're using or, or the preferences that they have. I, I remember you telling me clearly, like, for example, Jorge Lorenzo always used to like, also like having a baggy suit. You know, he didn't like a leather set that was quite tight on him. Uh, you know, anything at all, particularly for those guys, you know, even with the fit or anything like that? I think I don't think there's anything sort of specific that they that they need different. I think there's been sort of flashpoints in the year uh, where you know we've needed to sort of go away from, learn from, and and, and improve. But it's it's just part and parcel with every athlete out there. Obviously, with these guys, it's really intense at the moment because they're fighting a championship, and um, you know, with that, I think everybody that's involved, be it you know us on the uh, on the equipment side tire engineer anybody that has anything to do with that um there's just a heightened pressure and intensity to it which which is there but all you know every rider here they have their own sort of particular needs and and part of being here and part of having a program like like ours with the personalities that are in there you know you talk about jorge martin and peco banyaya but you know there's eight-time world champion in mark marquez on our program there's also you know uh, fabio quattararo champion from 2021 and then other guys as well who are everyone's fighting for something you look at fabio de gin antonio you look at alex marquez um you know right the way through the field uh you have guys that come here racing it's so important to them and and for us you know we really put a lot into our research and development and racing service to make sure that as as best as possible but that their equipment their boots their suits their gloves uh and for Jorge Martin and Jack Miller helmets um, aren't something they need to worry about. You I know? guess, well, I mean, like Jorge, for example, I mean, is he going through more leather um, panels on his elbows than compared to Pecco? There's been a couple rounds this year where, yeah, he's sort of, you know, d- dating back. I remember when when it was Mark Marquez that was first starting dragging his elbow a little bit. And then we had to fashion a... Um, 
the early elbow sliders, let's say, were modified magnesium toe sliders that we Velcroed onto the elbow just to, to, to help Mark get through weekends, you know. That's something we, we spoke about him recently. I think that's a, an innovation that he was really there for. Um, uh, and now elbow sliders are just part and practice of the game. We have three different compounds of, of slider that we can attach to the suit uh, for the guys that are dragging it more than others. And then Jorge Martin looks like he's now taking it to another level and the shoulder's getting closer to the ground. I think in Catalonia, he was dragging everything up to the shoulder cup, you know. Well, that's another thing, right? I mean, you guys helped pioneer the shoulder cam Adorno. We haven't seen Jorge wear it too much, right? I mean, there hasn't been too many requests for him. We've seen... Fabio using it, we've seen a Quattarara that is, and also Bagnaia. But Martin, you know, especially with his spectacular style, I can't recall too many times where he's worn the shoulder cam. That's a good question, actually. And uh, yeah, I can't, uh, off the top of my head right now, I can't really think of when, when he's been wearing it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he, he has, but um, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> that's where you put me on the spot here because I, I, I can't <laughs> actually sorry, remember the last time uh, or first time he wore it. Well, tell me about something you do know because if. Jorge Martin wins this thing. He's going to be... Well, what an introduction for Alpine Stars' new street lid. I mean, I was there when you gave like a, a pretty impressive presentation in Saxon Ring in Germany about the new helmet with, like you just mentioned, uh, Martin and Jack Miller using it for the first time. Um, how pleased have you been with the first year, the comments from those two guys? And importantly, has it passed the Alessia Spargaro punch test yet? <laughs> Um, I can speak to the first parts of that, which is basically where, uh, I, I mean, for where the project is this year, you know, like, first of all, the years of development that went into putting it on track, you know, like the fact is the first ever competitive race for the SR10 helmet has been a MotoGP race, which was Portimao beginning of the season, you know, and so... Hmm? It's a bit risky. Risky. I mean, it's risky, yes, but the fact is development goes on behind closed doors. And, you know, we've been fortunate with the project. Um, the Andrea Davizioso, you know, was, was working behind the scenes with our, with our developers. Um, so as far as being pro-rider ready, having that kind of input from, from Dovi um, was really valuable to it. And I, I think the biggest part was convincing riders of the caliber of Jorge Martin and Jack Miller that this helmet would be was ready for competition, you know, and so the faith that they put in Alpine Stars and um, w w was highly appreciated. And then obviously we had to set about making sure that it was absolutely race ready, you know, outside of monsoon testing in Asia, which we did. Um, in Malaysia last year and all the other work that goes into it there's nothing like then starting a championship and having all the eyes of the world watching our helmet um, uh, or it certainly felt that way to make sure that it's been working well and, and yet here we are um, one round from the end of the season both riders have put the helmet on the podium this year Jorge Martin obviously is fighting for a championship with it it's um, yeah it's a, it, you know it, uh, to say it's exceeded expectations um yeah, I think that would be uh, one way to put it. Look, two more questions for you, one of which I'm putting you on the spot again. But the first one, obviously you're going to have a MotoGP world champion this. What, what does that mean for you afterwards? Does it mean a barrage load more work in terms of um, you know, the promotional material or the events or the fact that you're trying to celebrate this championship? I know A-Stars or you know, Alpine Stars are a fantastic company for kind of pushing their heritage and the history they have with the sport. So I'm guessing whether it's Peko or whether it's Jorge, there's going to be quite a bit for you going on in the winter months when everyone's probably trying to have a rest. I mean, yeah, we never, we never 
it never stops. The off season is the season, you know, and actually for us, that's a, it's a really heavy season. Like it's, we're coming to, um, we're coming to Valencia and actually, you know, 2024 starts on Tuesday. I know it's a cliche that's always thrown around, but for us, um, we'll, we'll have guys from our development team back in, uh, back in Asolo, Italy, um, there at the track and, you know, riders trying new bikes. We're going to be trying some new things as well. Um, new developments for, for our leather suits, always to try and make them better. New developments for the boots. You know, these guys now, they, they, they drag their feet so much. You know, part of a lot of the luggage that we're bringing backwards and forwards to these races is resold boots, for example. Because uh, from, uh, you know, the leg dangle days of uh, some years ago to now, it's the, it's the foot drag days, you know, and that's how that's evolved. And so... Um, so lots of boots. Lots, lots of, of boots are being resold um, between races, and that's across all three classes as well, uh, not just in not just in MotoGP. But you know, development is is constant with us, and um, so the off season, not just with someone that wins a championship. Um, although, yeah, you can you can bet that you know part of winning a championship means that your winter is going to be quite busy. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure for those guys, um, but for us as well, it's just making sure as you know that the program is is heading in the right direction. So. So as much as the travel might slow down a little bit, honestly, like a lot more development work will happen um, when the season ends. And then when we get to uh, Sepang, which I think a mechanic said in the paddock the other day or someone from Ducati mentioned when we were in Sepang, he was like, ah, oh, 74 days and we're back here for testing. <laughs> it was yeah, kind that of... Was a bit, I mean, it cheered everybody up. That yeah, no, I, was, I heard it and I was like, wow, okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you're right. He didn't say it quite enthusiastically, like he can't <laughs> wait for it, I've got to say. But, but you know, it's, it, it's a short off-season and, and that's really our opportunity to... Um, uh, to, to get things in place for next year so we'll already be starting that with uh, with small things some of which you might not be able to visibly see on track at the test um, but no doubt we'll be we'll be coming to test things be it you know airbag um, developments leather suit developments boots or any of these products helmets as well you know we even we um introduced a, an aero package on our helmet as the season went on this year you know it was uh, in in Mugello where we added um the i guess uh, the spoilers onto 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 our SR10 helmet which uh, was immediately met with good feedback about just how stable it made the head feel you know which their way they hit about 360 kilometers per hour or sure. so when they come out of the bubble and um and to get the feedback that they actually felt a noticeable difference but obviously this has to be a process you have to put it through FIM homologation all of these things you can't just be throwing stuff yeah. at the helmet to uh, to put it on track so um yeah you can bet that there'll be um things we've learned this year that will be on the helmet next year and also will actually be uh, towards the helmet that will be available to the general public well lastly you're going to get a title maybe even all three so throw some diplomacy out the window tell me what you think is going to happen here tomorrow and uh, maybe even like in valencia what's your opinion uh, opinion, uh, opinion. I can't really say. Like it's 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 all there. I think everyone can see that. You know, you got two guys that are really uh, fighting for a championship. Jorge Martins being blisteringly fast, but then Peko Banyaya is. You know, he's been he's been grinding, and he's been. I think the key touch points of the season. You know, from our point of view, if you look at Peko Banyaya in Catalonia this year and that crash he had. Um, uh, that looked, you know, that Terrific. was a real heart yeah. in, in, in mouth moment uh, for all involved. And um, I think as, as far as 
you know, we were concerned with that, the, the, the fact that he was able to race the next weekend and put the bike on the podium, you know, when I, I think to, to everyone there that was watching it, this looked like it could be um, an absence, not just a DNF on the day, but, but, but something lengthy. Um, so the, the fact that he's been able to sort of come back from that, retaining the championship lead, and, uh, and, and here we are in a penultimate round, and, you know... Um, He's looking to wrap it up. And in, in that time, Jorge Martin really sort of stole a march and was, you know, winning all the sprint races and, 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 and winning other races too. And and then we get to the point now where, what is it, 14 points between them? Yeah, I mean, uh, 13. Do you think 13. it'll be down to who handles the pressure? In which case, you'd think maybe Peko has a little bit more experience in that aspect. I mean, always when I get, I get you know, but there's, like I said before, there's pressure every time these guys get on track. I think the pressure mounted now, you know, where, uh, you know, they had these guys up a building uh, prior to this race, you know, like there's the, the real sort of showdown Angle. element yeah, of it yeah. that, that, that's, that's being shown of it now, you know, as Alpine stars supporting both athletes. I mean, it's our job just to make sure that they have everything they need from us. You know, um, it's not really, you know, personal opinion or anything like that on there. Like I, I will be d- diplomatic. And you, you are won't a king be. of diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you can't not be like, it's uh, you yeah. know, we're, 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 we're professionals here and, the key thing for us is not to sort of get into any of the nuance of it or anything. It's like, have you got what you need from us? And then you go out there. That's that's them once they once they hit the track. Like it's this sounds super boring, but the fact is, <laughs> like our aim is to make sure our equipment is something that's not a talking point or not anything that's gonna. Um, uh, move the needle in any way, you know. So, uh, so sorry, but um, no, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, when we turn off the recorder, I'll just ask you instead where you think Declan Rice was worth all that money. But uh, you know, we can. Uh, He's probably one of the strange times where you know, if you can put a hundred million price tag on somebody and and nobody's actually questioning the price tag, um, that's a good sign. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, mate. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, just one week to go. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you let's uh, quickly go over our thoughts for tomorrow because Brad Binder and Jack Miller spoke to us, did a joint media debrief. They don't sound very optimistic about their chances. Marit Bignanis was content today because he felt like he got the maximum of the Aprilia package, which indicates even though he put in some fast lap time sometimes, he's not really going to have the pace to go with the Ducatis. He said he was almost aghast that they could drop one second at will. So it's going to be a Ducati fest. I mean, we haven't really even talked much about Fabio D'Antonio, who did a, a great race today. Yeah. Um, Alex Marquez as well. Luca Marini right there. So, uh, you know, who, who's who's your pick for tomorrow? Is it just going to be Martin again? Yeah, possibly. I mean, um, yeah, Martin, I think Bagnar, you have to look at him as, uh, as strong. I think Alex Marquez possibly as well. He was saying that if they could fix one or two little things with um, how the rear tire was behaving, he feels that he could uh, he could fight for victory. The Gian Antonio has been super strong. I mean, you, it's basically take your pick of, of five or six Ducatis. Even in, in Air Bastianini was yeah, saying this evening five. that he is top five pace. He's just got a really terrible qualifying position. Even when he picked his bike up with a couple of wings, I think removed, he was able to do a very very competitive pace in that sprint. So. Um, yeah, one of those top five, um, six guys maybe. It's 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 tough to tough to call, but I I, I think Banyaya because the, the the championship pendulum has just been swinging back and forth, and just when you think one guy's probably got a handle on it, the other one responds, and I I don't think Banyaya is done, and he's obviously going to be really revved up after what happened today. So and it could be who kind of breaks first, really, who makes the first slip, 
because that will really be the cost, not just in time, but maybe also position and maybe something a lot more serious. Yeah, and obviously the sprint, the guys could just go like hell pretty much throughout. Tomorrow, it's going to be very difficult to manage the rear tyre all race long. I think the last, Maverick Quinales was saying after 12, 13 laps, no one really has any information. Um, also, front tyre is going to be quite difficult, quite um, particular managing it with some graining perhaps on the, uh, the right-hand side. So... Uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, in those kind of circumstances, you would say, you know, Banyaya is, is very, very good at that. But so much will depend on the start. Cheers, Neil. Okay, guys, that's it from today, Saturday at the LaSalle International Circuit. We'll be back for our final note show tomorrow evening.